Hello everyone, uh, this is Boots on the Ground podcast and I'm your host Dblex Lesalon. Kenya is home to 8 out of 15 threatened vulture species. And out of these 8 species we have in Kenya, 4 are now critically endangered. Vultures are effective scavengers that keep our ecosystems healthy by performing that clean-up act of the environment where they feed on the carcasses, therefore minimizing the spread of diseases and other viruses that are very harmful to us human beings. Just some weeks ago, six lions were killed by suspected poisoning in Uganda's Queen Elizabeth National Park, and eight vultures uh, were also found at the scene dead. Vultures are uh, increasing facing threats of extinction, linked heavily to habitat destruction, and retaliatory uh, poisoning by herders and local communities. In this episode, I'm grateful to have this chat with Darcy Ogada, who has been involved in research and conservation in Kenya since 2000, when she began her master's degree and later studied Makinda's eagle uh, owls for her PhD research. Ogada has worked for Peregrine Fund's uh, African program since 2010, and she is based in central Kenya. In 2013, she began work in Northern Kenya focused on studying and conserving vultures. In 2017, she, become, she began sorry, intensive community-level trainings to stop wildlife poisoning, and the following year, she joined forces with the NGO Lion Landscapes to initiate the Coexistence Corp project aimed at helping people in Northern Kenya coexist with wildlife. Darcy is a pro- prolific writer of scientific papers, blogs, and general articles on topics uh, concerning African raptors and wildlife poisoning. She recently stopped, uh, uh, stepped down as editor of uh, Scopus, East Africa's peer-reviewed ornithological journal, and she chairs the African region of the IUCN Vulture Specialist Group. She's actively involved in a host of local conservation issues as a member of Nature Kenya's Bird Committee and the Kenya Wildlife Service Bird Task Force. She currently mentors and gains inspiration from the next generation of East African conservationists. I can't wait to have this conversation with her and I hope you really enjoy and learn something as we all look forward to spreading much awareness on vultures and working towards their conservation and survival. Thank you and welcome. Good morning, Darcy. Good morning, good looks. How are you? Fine, thank you. How are you? (laughs) Very good. Thank you so much for making time to join us this morning and for really accepting our invitation. Yeah, no, I'm excited to to talk to you. Yeah. And your audience. Thank you, thank you. I'm sure your your schedule is a bit tight, and just squeezing time to have you this morning is really, really a huge honor. Yeah, yeah great. No, thanks. It's uh, great for me too. I'm excited to uh, to to join the audience you have. All right, great. Um, maybe you can start by telling us, you know, what sparked your interest to to dive in, you know, into into the conservation field uh, right from you know, when you, way, way back when you started this work at, uh, and now ending up at uh, Peregrine Fund? Yeah, I first, actually, my first love was frogs. <laughs> I still love frogs. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, everything to do with frogs. And wow. then, yeah, I was, I was actually, I grew up in the U.S. So uh, really what 
I I always had the interest, but uh, really what was the clincher was when I took a trip, an off-season trip to Yellowstone National Park. And it was just absolutely fantastic. And I just knew right then and there that I was going to work in conservation or with wildlife. Yeah, that was what my career goal was from that point on. So you, uh, what you're saying is you, you started this from a very, very young age while growing up in the U.S., you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I think the interest was always there. And uh, yeah, it was just a matter of, you know, connecting the dots of how you get from point A to point B. Okay. And uh, how, how did you end up in Africa and, uh, you know, Kenya now? You're, you're working at the African uh, Program Director for the Peregrine Fund. Yeah, I started um, after I finished my undergraduate work, I was working on bald eagles on the Hudson River in upstate New York, and I was just observing them. And then um, actually, to go back a little bit before that, I was I had joined the Peace Corps in the U.S. and I was stationed in Niger in West Africa. So that was probably my my first introduction to the continent. And then, yeah, I ended up, you know, doing my undergraduate work. And then I came over to Kenya in the year 2000 as part of uh, my master's. I was actually supposed to be here for one year to do my research for a master's project. And I was based at Impala Research Center in Laikipia. Oh, wow. That's great. And... uh... Uh, Darcy, what do you love most about the work you do? Uh, I definitely love the adventure and the travel part of it. Um, Just getting around to some of these places that are off the beaten track. And yeah, uh, yeah, we do a lot of our work up in the far north of Kenya. So, um, well, well beyond like Kipia and Sabu, but, you know, up into Marsabek County, um, around Lake Turkana and some of those areas. Yeah, it's just really interesting to me to get to some of these places where, you know, a lot of people aren't doing um, or haven't been able to reach yet. So yeah, it's really interesting, you know, just to get to some of these places and see the, of course the reptiles and also the birds and the mammals and the people and the cultures. Yeah, it's all really interesting to me. Fantastic. Um, And according to you, uh, what has been the success factor behind, you know, the Peregrine Fund conservation model over the years? Yeah, I think that the work that we've been doing has been slowly building here in, in Kenya. I mean, the project in our project in East Africa has been here for close to 30 years now. And uh, what we've really been focusing on um, recently in the last five years has been a lot of community work, obviously, you know, there is no conservation without communities. So, you know, that's sort of been our niche. And we've been, um, you know, lucky to work with a lot of local people who have really helped to, you know, spread our message far and wide. So I would say, yeah, it's it's sort of working at the grassroots level. Um, and yeah, being really effective um, in the messaging that we do. Fantastic. And how did COVID-19 impact that, you know, sort of engagement <laughs> and uh, being on the ground with, uh, with uh, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the people on the ground and how are you picking up? 
uh, I can just say it impacted us a lot. Um, yeah, you can imagine um, trainings, conducting trainings, is, which is what my team does. Um, we do it, you know, every month. Um, we're, uh, yeah, we're out there out in the field um, doing trainings. So, yeah, COVID basically ground everything to a halt um, for six months. And then, of course, there's knock-on impacts to funding, uh, particularly when, you know, a lot of the funders, um, quite a few of our funders are in the U.S. and at zoos in particular. And, of course, they were heavily impacted by COVID as well. So, yeah, there's, there's definitely been a lot of impacts. And, uh, but we're picking up. Um, I think there's been a lot of institutions, you know, uh, who have tried to help um, yeah. small conservation projects. So, you know, there is some added funding due to COVID. Of course, it doesn't quite make up for everything you lose. But, yeah, we're getting on with it. But I think this current wave is a bit concerning. We may have to pause again if, if things don't turn around soon. Yeah, we hope things, uh, fingers crossed, uh, we hope things get better. And apart from COVID, there are a lot of, uh, you know, threats, you know, facing birds. You know, according to you, according to your experience, what are some of the biggest threats facing birds of prey in Kenya and maybe generally in Africa? Yeah, there's there's a lot of things. Uh, I'll say, all right, for the perspective of vultures, large eagles, mainly it's a lot of poisoning. Some of that is unintentional, usually in the case of vultures where they're poisoned at carcasses where uh, pesticide usually has been put out um, by livestock farmers in retaliation, uh, trying to kill carnivores like yeah. lions, hyenas, etc., but inadvertently um, killing lots of vultures because they find the carcasses um, easily and rapidly. So yeah, they, it kills a lot of um, vultures and also eagles, tawny eagles, battalors and such. Um, poison is also used um, intentionally in some cases, like a lot of um, people intentionally kill uh, martial eagles, other large eagles, because they do occasionally take things like chickens. Uh, yeah. So Poisoning is a big issue. Uh, another really big and growing issue, though, has to be the electrocutions. Um, yeah. Power lines, um, power poles. Um, and it's not just an issue for birds of prey, but it is really um, a big issue for, you know, our raptors. Um, but it does affect many other species of wildlife. Um, so they get electrocuted um, on these poorly designed uh, power poles. And so, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a really huge issue. And as you know, you know, electricity is, is spreading to a lot of these rural communities. So it's, it's a problem that's only growing. Wow, electrocution uh, due to this unsustainable, I don't know if it's sustainable or unsustainable because you have seen a lot of development, you know, um, around the country, you know, uh, lighting up, you know, villages and, uh, you know, these power lines that crisscross across all counties. And it's really these service corridors that are affecting uh, the, the birds also. Um, okay, great. Uh, switching on gears now. Um, what steps have you put in place as, a, as, a, as an organization to mitigate these impacts? 
So with the poisoning, we have a collaborative project that we do uh, with the Peregrine Fund, Lion Landscapes, and also we work very closely with the Kenya Wildlife Service. Uh, we yeah. mostly base in like Kipia and adjacent areas in Samburu County. Uh, we are, you know, as I said earlier, we are training and educating communities about poisoning, but also we are taking more of a preventative approach where we are training people on how to build what we call predator-proof BOMAs, which are basically livestock corrals um, that are, you know, they're used chain link fencing. They have a very secure door. And the objective there is, you know, to secure people's livestock at night in inside their BOMAs so that predators such as hyenas and uh, lions and leopards can't access it. And then, you know, that obviously reduces the need for retaliatory poisoning. Uh, so that's, our main focus and uh, the other work we're doing in terms of electrocutions is we have a, a joint group. Uh, we just call ourselves the wildlife energy working group, um, but we are working yeah. with private sector, with any um, museums, national museums, of Kenya, sorry. And uh, yeah. a, a bunch of other NGO and stakeholders who were just basically starting the initial um engagement with Kenya, Kenya Power in particular um, to try and sensitize them on the issue of electrocutions and how we can basically work together to try and mitigate, you know, the already existing power lines, but hopefully going forward, how we design, you know, safe, safer um, power poles and power lines for, for birds of prey, but for other species like primates. Um, we have a lot of issues with Crafts as well being electrocuted. So it's a broad topic, um, but we're just starting engagements um, with Kenya Power. Fantastic. And uh, Darcy, how has climate change accelerated the decline of various bird species in, in Kenya? That's, that's tough to answer. Uh, we don't do any specific research on climate change just because okay. the immediate impacts of, you know, human um, impacts and uh, other um, issues with habitat degradation are sort of more immediate and obvious. So, but what I can say is, you know, we do see issues like, you know, the fires up on um, Mount Kenya and Aberdares, and also have they've been on Kilimanjaro. And surely there must be some um, relationship to climate change. We have, of course, you know, endemic bird species up on those mountains. So surely it's there, but I don't think there's much going on in terms of measuring it in Kenya right now. Okay. And is habitat loss really an issue when it comes to birds as compared to the big, uh, you know, the big animals like the, the lions and the, and the elephants? Yeah, definitely. Um, certainly with the large birds of prey. I mean, large birds of prey, the raptors are basically our, they are our lions and hyenas of the skies, right? So yeah. you can imagine, you know, anything that affects, you know, those mammals on the ground also similarly affects the birds. So yeah, it's a big issue. Um, you know, we're just about to publish a paper showing you know, how much the declines of raptors in Kenya have been over the last 40 years. And yeah, uh, yeah basically our protected areas are the ones that are 
sort of, you know, the basic, the main source populations for for birds of prey in Kenya. Um, unprotected areas are are struggling for the most part. So yeah, habitat loss is a, is a major issue. Okay, perfect. And you mentioned uh, there are some organizations and some groups of people that you work with. Uh, you mentioned the Wildlife Energy Working Group, you know, Kenya Power to mitigate, uh, you know, the impacts facing these birds. What sort of partnerships have you had and what uh, uh, sort of partnerships are you looking to, to have in the future to, you know, to, to, to at least uh, make your work easier and uh, uh, make you uh, achieve uh, the, the set goals that you, you, your organization has? Yeah, I think no organization can operate on it, on their own these days. I mean, sure, we sure. work with so many people. I say on the local scale, we, of course, work with Kenya Wildlife Service. We work with the Lycabia County government. Uh, we, of course, work with National Museums of Kenya. Uh, and yeah, we have a, a huge range of uh, conservation partners within Kenya. I think that's one of the things that makes it easier to work in Kenya as a you know a conservation organization is that there's so many others that you know we have a lot of support. Um, obviously, one organization you know has its own niche um, in conservation, and through sort of networking and um, you know building those collaborations, we're able to do so much more. Um, in terms of getting our voice out there and just raising awareness on a lot of issues. So, yeah, and we also work really closely with Lion Landscapes, um, of course, with our Coexistence Co-op project. So, yeah, we, we have a lot of um, important collaborations that keep us going. Fantastic. And uh, does it, do you believe community conservation is the future to create effective, sustainable solutions and improve the lives of the local people? Uh, yeah, like I said, there is no conservation without engaging first and foremost with communities. Um, that is the key to it all. So, yeah, if if you're not working with communities, basically you're not you're not doing conservation. So, yeah, <laughs> totally agree. Okay, great. Um... Okay, what about technology? When it comes to technology, we have seen growth, growth in technology use when it comes to conservation. How have you managed to balance, you know, the science and the tech to steer your conservation work forward? Yeah, our technology is mostly focused on the tracking units, what we will just call tags. So we tag birds, uh, vultures mainly, but also some other birds of prey. And they are you know, the technology there is, is pretty amazing. Basically, what you're doing is putting the equivalent of a small cell phone, a tiny cell phone on the back of a bird. Um, so basically, those small units that you're putting on are have uh, solar panels on the top so they can recharge and they have a SIM card. Um, yeah, so basically where our birds go, we have learned a huge amount. So yeah. I mean, the technology and also, you know, just the grassroots conservation efforts, they all go hand in hand, because particularly when you talk about birds like vultures, which are not territorial and are moving over, you know, thousands of kilometers, um, you, you can't even imagine how far they go until you actually put a tracking device on them. And then you're just amazed at, you know, our birds here that we have tagged in, like Hippia, for example, have gone as far as Chad in Central Africa. So, 
yeah, it's it's amazing. And you really won't learn that stuff without using, you know, the most up-to-date technology. Wow. And this is, this is really amazing because that's all about transboundary and joint up conservation across borders, which is really good. Yeah. 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 It, it's the vultures take you places you never dreamed you'd go to. <laughs> you just have to follow them. And then you're engaged okay. with all these other countries and stakeholders outside of far outside of Kenya. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as we, as we celebrate women's month, as you, as it's being called out here, uh, as a woman in conservation, what what are you looking up to? Sorry, what are you looking the future to be in terms of you know more women coming into into the conservation space and taking up leadership roles? What's your say on that? Yeah, I think it. It obviously, I think it's great. I think there are a lot of women actually in conservation, or you know, there's certainly a lot more room for growth. Um, we certainly want to see a lot more Kenyan women um, in conservation, but it's pretty encouraging, you know, in conservation that there are, there are quite a lot of women, um, you know, leading um, projects or maybe not organizations. I think we still have a little ways to go in terms of that, but I, uh, there's some amazing women doing great stuff in Kenya. So um, I'm inspired and I think, yeah, in some ways we lead the way in Africa because I can think of quite a quite a handful of women who are, you know, at the top of their field. Great. And uh, where can our listeners find you, you know, to support and be part of the great work that you're doing at uh, Peregrine Fund? Yeah, we are, of course, on the Peregrine Fund website and Facebook and Instagram pages. And our project, the Coexistence Co-op, um, it's also on Instagram and Facebook. It's at Coexistence and it's C-O-O-P, uh, all one word. And so you can find us there. Fantastic. Maybe final words to encourage more people to uh, take, uh, keep an eye on birds and uh, to just, uh, you know, develop an, a key interest, you know, in this, in this field. Yeah. Especially the young, especially the young people. Yeah. There's so much going on with birds. Um, you just have to open your eyes. I mean, it is, birds are fantastic and you'll never get bored. And wherever you go in the world, you will always be challenged and amazed by new birds. Even if you're sitting in the middle of, let's say, London, um, birds are all, wow. are everywhere. And um, it's, they're so fantastic. And there's a lot of organizations in Kenya who are, you know, helping, you know, developing up and coming birders and other people in conservation with birds. So, yeah, yeah, just reach out because there's lots to do and it's really fantastic. Wow, that's that's really great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Darcy Ogada, for making time for us this morning. What a brilliant conversation we've had. I can't thank you enough for, for coming to the yeah, show. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. And it's been a really honor to be on the show. Fantastic. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Okay, great. Mm-hmm.